On the Ledge podcast, and I'm your very festive host, Jane Perone. Welcome to the last episode of On the Ledge for 2018, and this one is going to be short but sweet. I'm going to be telling you about some plants that embody the spirit of 2019, no less. Offer up a few holiday house plant tips and look forward to the coming year on On The Ledge. First up, thanks to Sean and Elaine, who are my new legends this week. Yes, Sean and Elaine have opted to donate $5 a month or more to the On The Ledge Patreon page, which gets them access, exclusive access, to extra episodes of the show, advanced information about what's going on, and lots of other little extra goodies. So, welcome to both of you. Thanks to everyone who said how much they enjoyed last week's photography episode. I'm now looking at every picture I take in a bit of a different light and really doing my best to apply all the lessons that I learned from Jackie, Philippa and Majena. It was fantastic to have them on the show and I really hope you enjoyed that episode. The number 16-1546 may not immediately ring any bells, but this is Pantone, the legendary colour matching system's colour of the year for 2019. It's more agreeably known as Living Coral, and it's a kind of a shade of peachy rosy pink that you probably would remember if you were around back in the 1980s, because hey, this was a particularly popular colour back then, and as all things in life are circular, so too is the rise of the colour coral, and it's back in fashion for 2019, according to Pantone anyway. And I thought for a bit of fun, I would have a think about some houseplants that might fit the coral colour scheme. And there are more than you might think. I wanted to start with one of the plants that's really won a place in my heart in the last couple of months, and that's my Smithiantha extra sassy. Now, Smithiantha, you may not be familiar with this particular plant genus, which comes from Mexico. It's a member of the Gesneriad family. Yes, you remember back to my Gesneriad episode with Dale Martins. In fact, I have a feeling that Dale might have been the person who produced this hybrid in the first place. I also like this plant because it is named after a woman botanical illustrator, Matilda Smith, who was the lead artist for Curtis's botanical magazine back in the 1880s. And she continued to work for the magazine up until the 1920s when she passed away. And she was also the second woman to become an associate of the Linnaean Society. There aren't that many plants that are named after women, so this is one that I particularly treasure. If you've never seen a Smithiantha, let me quote from the How to Know and Grow Gesneriad's Guide produced by the Gesneriad Society, which tells us this striking Mexican genus of six species boasts handsome red or green or mottled velvety foliage topped with a spike of nodding bell-like flowers. The 
species pictured in this guide is Smithiantha cinnabarina, which has the most gorgeous dark red fuzzy leaves, which I'm absolutely in love with. I must get hold of one of those too. But for the moment, my extra sassy is very lovely too. It has green leaves, but with a big red splash in the centre and the most gorgeous coral coloured bell-like flowers with a yellow dotty interior, a little bit like foxglove flowers. I sourced this from Shrublands Nursery in the UK. These plants aren't that easy to get hold of. The main supplier of Gesneriads in this country, Dibley's, as at my last look, did not stock any of these plants. So I'm not sure if I'm sending you on a wild goose chase to try to find some of these, but they are really beautiful. The guide from the Gesneria Society tells us that these species need high humidity, warm temperatures and strong light. Well, so far, mine's been on the same bench as all my other Gesneriads and has done absolutely fine. So I wouldn't panic too much about this plant being particularly hard to grow. The next plant I wanted to tell you about is called Nurtura. I hadn't seen one of these for ooh, a good 25 years until I bumped into a little clutch of them at the Flora Holland show that I went to in the Netherlands recently. And it's a plant that I know from Dr. Hesseyan's houseplant expert. Yes, if you're playing the Dr. Hesseyan's houseplant expert drinking game, you could now take a drink. Um, uh, this plant, commonly known as the bead plant, uh, used to be quite popular and it used to be quite freely available, but it's not something I've seen about recently. What does Dr. H have to say about it? Well, he identifies correctly that its distinctive feature is the glassy orange berries which cover the creeping stems during autumn. And these are perfectly for us coral colours, although I do know that you can get different shades uh, of, of bead on the bead plant. Some of them have white berries uh, right down to red so you might have to look for the exact right shade if you do manage to get hold of a nurtura. This is one of these plants that's generally chucked away once it has finished doing its berry thing because it's quite hard to keep from year to year but you know, it's possible if you happen to be a particular whiz with houseplants to keep one alive and it's one that does best if put outside in the summer so that those flowers and followed by the berries can actually form. I'd love to hear from anyone if you've managed to keep Nurtura Depressor alive for many a year or indeed where you can get hold of one because I think they're rather cute and adorable. Next up, it's a couple of foliage plants. Philodendron Prince of Orange is the first. Uh, I don't know really why I'm telling you about this one because it's pretty much impossible to get here in the UK as far as I know. I have seen it available on a UK site called Turnit Tropical, but it's out of stock there at the moment. So if you know a UK source of Prince of Orange, do pass it on. But the wonderful thing about this plant is the new foliage, which does have a wonderful burnt orangey, I guess you could say coral colour to it. As we all know, big leaves are really in right now. So this is a plant I would love to get my hands on. And dare I say it, I think I'd actually rather have this than the old pink princess we were talking about in last week's episode. Another plant that does basically the same job, uh, but is possibly a little bit wide, more widely available, is Chlorophytum orchidastrum, or the orange spider plant which I'm pleased to say is fairly easy to grow, just like the spider plant that we're all very, very familiar with. That's Chlorophytum camosum, of course. 
The leaves are far different from the traditional spider plant. They're wide and lush with an incredible orange midrib which extends down to the stems, making it a really stunning plant and one that I'm sure you'll get many comments about because it's not that common yet. There are, of course, many succulents that can go a wonderful rosy coral colour, oftentimes as a response to stress, either cold or too much sun. Lots of succulents will respond by going that wonderful shade of coral that we all are apparently seeking in 2019. There are some succulents, though, that always exhibit this colour. And the one I'm thinking of is Calanco orgialis. Or is it Orgialis? I think it's probably better pronounced Orgialis, isn't it? Uh, which is commonly known as copper spoons. Now, if you know the Calanchos, such as Beharensis and Pandareas, you'll know that these particular types of Calanchos have these wonderful furry leaves. And copper spoons has exactly that with this incredible rusty colour, which is really rather attractive. It's a dead, dead easy plant to grow, provided that you give it the usual requirements of sun and not too much water. And you never know, if you're lucky, your plant could get as tall as nearly two metres if you have the room to accommodate it. It's also worth mentioning many of the aloe family whose flowers are definitely spot on in the coral camp. If you've ever seen an aloe barbadensis or an aloe striata you'll be familiar with the tubular nodding flowers of this plant, which I think are underrated really as part of the delights of the aloe family. Not all aloes have coral coloured flowers, of course. Some of them are yellow like aloe arborescence. And do check out the flowers of the white flowered form of aloe ferox, which are absolutely dramatic torches with white, red and green flowers that that I'd love to see in the flesh one day. But on with our coral selection. A couple more to mention. We can't go without mentioning the begonias. There's a lovely one called Autumn Ember, which is really stunning. This is a hybrid produced by Logies, the nursery in the US that's pretty famous for its houseplants. I'll include a link to their page about the plant in my show notes. That rounds up my collection of coral plants for 2019. I'd love to hear what I've missed out. I know there are loads of plants that I haven't mentioned. So do tell me your favourite plants with coral coloured leaves, flowers, stems, spines or, well, even roots. After all, the Sansevieria or snake plant does have coral coloured roots. Did you know that? And now it's time for question of the week, which comes from Alex, who has been binging on On The Ledge since he discovered it a couple of weeks ago, which is great to hear. I can confirm that an On The Ledge binge will not add a single calorie to your diet, which makes it a very healthy kind of binge. Alex's question is about a rooted jade plant cutting that he bought offline i guess that means does he mean offline or does he mean online i'm not sure anyway he's got this cutting um and he said that when it arrived he saw that it had been rooted in soil but out of habit he popped it in water to let the roots grow some more and then planted it when the roots were probably about seven centimeters long now this was six months ago and since then 
It's done absolutely zilch. He's a bit worried because he remembered back to the propagation episode in which uh, our experts from Rocco advised planting when the roots were about a centimetre or so long. And he was worried that he's, he's planted it way too late. And he's wondering what to do to encourage growth. He did send a picture of this little crassula, which, though small, looked perfectly healthy and fine. So what's going on? Well, I suspect there's a lot going on below the surface of the plant, even though the upper part of the plant, the leaves, are not growing very much at all. It can take cuttings a really long time to start putting on top growth if they're establishing root systems below, particularly if the conditions aren't quite optimal above the surface. Uh, this could be that the plant isn't getting quite enough light and warmth. I guess that's not surprising given that this plant's been growing into through the autumn and into the winter period. I wouldn't really worry about this until spring unless the plants start showing signs of distress like going wilted or going the wrong colour. If it stays firm and green then I would just hang on until spring and then have a look at what's going on with the plant then. I also am wondering whether the plant has been put into a pot that's a little bit large for it because there's quite looking at the picture there's it's quite a reasonable size pot for the size of the cutting and what this can mean is that the plant is just busy filling out that pot with roots before it starts putting on top growth so once spring comes I definitely would tip it out of the pot and see what's happening with the root system and take it from there the only other comment I had about this plant, Alex, was that the compost or the potting soil that this plant has been put in looks a little bit like it doesn't have very much in the way of grit in it uh, to aid the drainage of the plant. And generally cacti and succulents like a gritty, well-drained compost. So when you have a look at the plant in the springtime, it may well be worth changing that compost up and making a more gritty mix with some perlite or some dust-free non-clumping cat litter added to houseplant compost or even using specialist cactus and succulent compost just to get exactly the right mix. Sometimes cuttings can be maddeningly slow to actually develop. I've got my leaflets of my double Z plant, the dark leaved cultivar raven, which are slowly, slowly, slowly growing. But it is a really, really slow process. And so that's been painful to watch. It will get there. But patience is something we all need to generate in ourselves, even if we don't naturally possess it. So Looking at cuttings and waiting for them to grow is something that helps us with establishing a more mindful regime. I, that's the way I'm going to look at it anyway, Alex. So let me know what happens, Alex. Is this plant OK? Do fill me in in the springtime. And if you've got a question for On The Ledge, do drop me a line to ontheledgepodcast.gmail.com. Remember, there's no show next Friday. That's the 28th of December, but we're back on the 4th of January. So do fire off your questions to me. I'll be working on a Q&A special in an upcoming episode. So lots of questions, please. And I wanted to finish up just by giving you some tips for Christmas houseplants. A lot of us are buying plants at this time of year to take to friends' houses as a little gift when we're going out for Christmas. It's a really lovely thing to do, but it can be a terrible disappointment if the plant that you've spent money on after a day or so is looking very, very sad because it's been shocked by the cold weather. So if you possibly can, if you're buying a plant to take to somebody's house, before you leave the shop, 
get a nice big plastic bag and swathe the plant in that. Make sure that it is protected from cold winds and drafts. Somebody on the Facebook group, Houseplant Fans Upon the Ledge, posted a photo the other day of a truck leaving an Ikea branch in the US, somewhere very cold, <laughs> um, with a yucca plant on the back of the flatbed truck, uh, just exposed to the elements, whipping winds and freezing temperatures. And we were speculating about how long that was going to last. And the answer is not very long at all. So do be careful with plants that you're buying at this time of year. And if you possibly can, unless you're buying them for a special gift, hold off on buying too many plants at this time of year because it is very hard to get them home or get them through the post without that cold shock that they really hate. Cacti and succulents uh, usually can survive best for a few hours of cold. So if you are going to buy something, a cactus or a succulent is a really good choice. And in fact, I had a press release recently from Wyvel Garden Centres, a UK garden centre chain, saying that cacti and succulents are their number one plant. So there we go. And what about taking care of your own houseplants at home? Well, roaring fires and radiators turned up to the max are not a recipe for happy houseplants. So if you can move your plants away from any direct heat sources, that would help. Leaving a few sources of water around to evaporate around plants can help or placing plants on a pebble tray with some gravel or expanded clay pellets and some water in the bottom will help too misting it's a nice thing to do it makes you feel like you're doing something it doesn't do a tremendous amount in terms of raising the humidity around a plant in anything other than the short term the other thing you can do to make your house plants look really good at this time of year is give those leaves a wipe down with a damp cloth both surfaces top and bottom will benefit because there are breathing holes or stomata on all sides of the plant so give those leaves a wipe down there is nothing more depressing than a dusty house plant And finally, I said I was going to mention some stuff coming up in 2019. Sometime in, I think it's going to be May, I will be reaching my 100th episode. So I'd love to think of a way of marking that. If you've got any great ideas of how I should be marking my 100th episode of On The Ledge, do let me know. I'd love to crowdsource some great ideas for that. And I'd also love to hear what you'd like me to run episodes on in 2019. The things that I've got on my mind, which I know people have asked for and I haven't yet done, are plant gadgets, begonias, aroids, indoor bonsai. And I'm thinking of devoting a whole episode to the spider plant. What do you think about that? And On The Ledge So Long will also be back in 2019. I think I'll run an episode in February or early March, marking the start of the On The Ledge So Along 2019. If you want to get involved, get ordering your houseplant seeds now. And we'll talk more about how to get started in houseplant propagation then. While I'm off air, do check out Houseplant Fans of On The Ledge. It's a great way to catch up with other houseplant addicts and chat about your plants. Everyone there is incredibly lovely and generous and wonderful. And there's so many nice people there to meet. So do go and join the group. Please answer all three questions. If you don't answer all three questions, I can't let you in the group. It just means that I make sure everyone is actually a listener to the show and isn't somebody who's going to start spamming us with all kinds of irrelevant stuff. So do answer the questions. You can also find out what I'm up to on Instagram, which is j.l.perone, and on Twitter, where I'm at Jane Perone. 
Other exciting things I've got planned in 2019 include a revamp of my website, more awesome merch and various talks. If you happen to be in London, I'm doing a talk at the Highgate Literary and Scientific Institution on the 9th of April at 8pm called The Magic of Houseplants. So if you can join me there, stick that one in the diary now. I'll put a link to the info in my show notes. Thank you to every single one of you who listens to On The Ledge and supports the show in so many different ways. I feel like every one of you has become a friend and an integral part of On The Ledge. What keeps this show on the go and keeps me so excited and full of love for my houseplants. I do hope you all have a chance for a restful break and are able to start 2019 with a head chock full of wonderful thoughts and ideas about your plant collection. And I can't wait to bring you more episodes of On The Ledge, because that's what we're here for, and it's just making me smile just thinking about it. And in the meantime, this is On The Ledge and your host, Jane Perrone, signing off for the final time in 2018. Bye!